This podcast is part of the Paris Fintech Forum Communities Programme and is brought to you with the support of BPI France. You're listening to the Fintech Podcast, the show that goes deep into the stories, the successes and failures that went into creating some of the world's most fantastic fintechs. I'm Elliot Gotkin, and in this episode, forget glass ceilings, Christian Veens had to break through glass doors and be billed for them by his landlord before being inspired to found his insurtech, GetSafe. I only knew this is, is going to be expensive, so I went to my parents and asked them about what should I do now? I don't know anything about insurance. So the answer was they opened a shelf with kind of 15, I think, folders f- filled with thousands of pages of paper that piled up over, over many, many decades, of course, and tried to find out uh, if I'm still covered, if this glass door is still covered, and it was not possible to find it out. Christian, co-founder and CEO of GetSafe, thanks so much for joining me on the FNTech podcast. Elliot, thanks for having me. Uh, now, you're based in Germany. Aside from now being able to have haircuts legally now, I think, uh, how are things going? Yeah, actually, I, I didn't kind of miss out on this because I didn't book book any haircut in time. But they actually started at midnight already, I, I read today, um, offering some haircuts to, to clients as kind of, of course, the, the waiting line has has piled up, right? And yeah, other than that, it's um, it's good times for us as GetSafe. I'm always pretty thankful as we're doing insurance digitally. It's a product that people still need. We as a startup and probably others, other startup founders have told that already are kind of made for a very flexible remote work environment from day one. So it's not a big challenge for us per se. Um, but uh, I think the world could be better currently. So um, we are in this lucky silo, but still I would appreciate much more if other things uh, would, would, would go better here. Anyway, summer is approaching and I think... I'm positive looking at that. Right. And uh, although this is just an audio podcast, I can assure our viewers that your hair is, uh, is perfectly fine and, uh, and it's not looking too bad uh, from, from where I'm sitting. I self-cut uh, it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it looks uh, <laughs> better than it is. <laughs> All right. Well, look, you're an insurtech uh, offering insurance for renters, travel, health, and even bicycles and drones. Uh, but how do you differ from other insurers and other insurtechs? Yes, that's a great question because uh, we are in for the very, very long game at GetSafe. So essentially what we dream of is becoming, I usually use the name of the biggest insurer in the world, the Allianz of 2040, right? Um, also because it's, 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 it's a German insurance company, so we kind of compare a little bit more with them. Um, but 2040 is pretty far away from today. So it's it's almost 20 years. And for a startup, that's a long period to think kind of. And we have been here for five years already as a company. So um, what we actually do is that we believe that all these old insurance companies have been here for 100 years plus, usually even two or 300 years sometimes. So they have been born a long, long time ago and are actually still operating <laughs> like when they when they kind of were founded, not too much has changed. But what has changed is how we as consumers want to do stuff, how we build trust 
to companies, how much transparency we want to have, how we want to understand and consume content, um, how we want to also have everything on our tech devices and be able to kind of operate it from, from there. And that has dramatically changed. And so what we actually are trying to do with GitSafe is kind of building all the nice stuff, all the foundation of insurance that was still there for the last 100, 200, 300 years. So the core of insurance, keep that, but kind of package it in a way that it's built for the next 100 or 200 years for new generations for with more data that we collect to make the ex experience even better. So we, we call ourselves a generational insurer that tries, and that's why you do multiple multiple coverages. We don't just cover uh, cover one specific kind of area of insurance like home or so, because we capture a generation of people that buy insurance for the first time, essentially with us, and then try to grow with them over time, over the next 10, 20 years. That's usually the time you need to build your full insurance portfolio. Um, yeah, and that's what we do um, and, and a little bit how we do it, but I'm sure we're digging deep, deeper into that in a minute. And uh, you mentioned that your company essentially was made for this uh, age where people are working remotely and operating remotely. But in terms of the business side of things, did GetSafe receive a kind of COVID boost that so many other fully digitized businesses did? GetSafe specifically um, grew pretty well. Um, hard to say how many kind of how, how big the percentage of, of extra growth was, but what um, this whole period and, and, and kind of pandemic is leading to is definitely an acceleration of all things digital, right? Like, and as in the insurance company uh, or insurance industry is one of the few last mega industries that has not been digitized yet, um, it's kind of helping the whole industry. And we are at the forefront of this digitization movement, but it's helping the whole industry um, accelerate what they have passed, yeah, what they have um, kind of not done in the last years. And this is making processes and distribution and product simpler and, and more digital. So it's helping everybody, but also get safe as we are, let's say, a front runner in this digitization movement in insurance, have been doing it for the last five years. I compare it a little bit with, let's say Tesla now being a star in the automotive industry, having started more than 10 years ago. And now that everybody is moving into electric vehicles, kind of, of course, the, the front runner of electric cars is at the absolute top now. And I think a similar effect um, in insurance now. So it's a very good development for us, of course. And you said you, you can't put specific numbers on the additional growth that perhaps COVID brought get safe uh, but perhaps you can give us an overview of some of the numbers that you're seeing in terms of customers in terms of revenues in terms of overall growth that you're seeing yeah sure so i mean the what's 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 crazy is and that's what one was one of the shocking facts when i uh, when i entered the insurance industry and got interested into the space um, I'm a mechanical engineer, so I don't come from insurance. I really had to kind of jump into uh, into the space and, and learn everything, essentially. But what what was shocking for me is that still today, around ninety percent of insurance is sold through agents and brokers online, and the average age of brokers and agents is pretty high. 
So it's around 55, 58, and not just in Europe or Germany, it's in the US and in Asia. It's like, it's, it's pretty similar all over the world as the industry is so old. Um, and kind of that is, that's a, a shocking factor. So what, what is definitely growing is the percentage of, uh, insurance that is sold through digital channels. Now we, um, are capturing a small part of that opportunity. Currently we are at around 200,000 customers. Uh, in Germany and the UK, the two largest insurance markets in Europe. If you look at them combined together, they're around 500 billion euros large. Uh, so it's it's just these two markets are around, I would say, five times the core uh, global business opportunity of a company like Uber with limousine services. So it's 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 so uh, so big, and we calculated that in the next ten years. Millennials means people between 20, 35 or so in Europe will be buying around a billion new insurance policies. And so we are currently capturing a few, a small fragment of that market, but still we are a market leader in Germany with millennials. No other insurance company is selling so many policies to first time insurance buyers and millennials um, as we do. Um, so that is to put a little bit in perspective. Um, how we are growing, but how vast the opportunity is. And you mentioned you studied mechanical engineering, so perhaps you weren't always destined to be a, a fintech founder. Did you have a particular career in mind when you were studying mechanical engineering? Kind of. I, I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur very early on. So my first thing that I did when I was 14, to, together with my brother, um, is that we did a lot of music. I wanted to almost become a professional guitar player, and he's plays saxophone and drums and but we hated the public music schools because yeah the teachers were a little bit old fashioned and and so we started our own music school we built a website kind of uh, asked a few friends with other instruments and so for me what i want to want to say is that it was always clear that i want to build build a company but i was also pretty excited by machines and cars mainly so i i, I wrote my master thesis at a big chemical company um, in in Germany on 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 batteries for electric cars, so that was kind of um, where my my head uh, was 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 headed to, towards when I was studying mechanical engineering. And then I came to that decision point where I had to kind of after university or even during my master thesis, to be honest, take the decision which business I want to start and what I think is realistic and what I can kind of afford in terms of self-funding that I had. And it was pretty clear that I couldn't build a car company, right? <laughs> so I had to I had to find uh, another industry and I got excited about everything that is digital and internet. And I jumped into that space. And uh, But I think that insurance and mechanical engineering, engineering in general is there's a connection somehow because it's uh, as an engineer i like to solve complex pro problems that seem to be unsolvable and if you look at insurance today it seems complex and almost unsolvable um and that's what gets me excited about the industry right but before you came to insurance uh in fact while you were studying i think you you met your co-founder marius simon and it, and it was almost as if um you, you two were destined to be together yeah, it was a funny story. He was uh, no insurance expert either. He was studying physics, um, and uh, at that time, in my my hometown, where GetSafe is also based, Heidelberg, a very beautiful uh, old city in, in 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 Germany. And 
um, it's not Berlin here. So we have SAP here, a huge software giant. We have a little bit like the, the Berkeleys and Stanford's that you have in California, all these good tech universities, all the big the big car manufacturers like Porsche and Mercedes and so are all in that region here between Frankfurt and Stuttgart, if you know Germany a little bit. And we studied here. So we knew that it, it's kind of a, a great region to to build a tech company. But um, the, the how, how we met essentially is that he wanted to get into this tech space and see how many other interested entrepreneurs uh, are here in the region. And, uh, and he organized a meetup on Facebook. Uh, back then um, and invited tons of people, tons of talented engineers and people that, 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 and, and developers. And so, and we met at a bar, the, the meeting was at a bar at 8 PM Friday night. And it was funny because we were the only two showing up. So Marius and myself were alone the whole evening. Nobody else showed up. Obviously people weren't ready to get excited about tech entrepreneurship here and um, yeah, it was a nice coincidence because we had plenty of time to share thoughts. And I, I had the opportunity of insurance in mind because I kind of went through some, 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 some bad insurance experience myself. Um, and, and that's how everything got started. But before you got into insurance with Marius, you actually had a previous startup um, that you had. Tell me about that. Yes, that's right. I mean, I, I mentioned the music school that I did with my brother when I was 14. And of course, I was nervous and, and felt the sense of urgency of having another company. And between myself being a teenager with this kind of music school and finishing studies, there were, there were, there were 10 years in between and I was kind of um, really eager on, on, on founding a startup. And I was um, with my flatmate back, back at university. He was as well, is as well a mechanical engineer, I kind of stumbled across TechCrunch. Uh, I didn't, as a mechanical engineer, I wasn't interested in kind of digital tech so much. And I didn't know this site. And he lived in the US, US for, such, uh, for, for a long time. And he knew this site and brought it to me. And uh, I was, yeah, in the middle of my master thesis, essentially. So my last year of studies. And we kind of developed the idea to build the open table of Europe. So a restaurant booking or reservation site, something that didn't exist here at all. So in Germany still today, that's why we probably were way ahead of time. Uh, still a, a very, very small percentage of restaurants are accepting online reservations and, and table reservations. And we wanted to build this here. And we, we got a, investors excited because it worked in the US. So everybody was convinced it would also come to Europe, or at least to, to Germany. Uh, it didn't. Um, I did a small exit on that company still because another company uh, with, a, with a big network with, of restaurants believed that the technology was worth it to give it another try with more marketing budget or so perhaps. But yeah, that was my, my first or actually second startup, uh, startup experience with a small exit and then came get safe. And what was it called? Sorry, your um, kind of open table version? It was called gourmet.com, like a, a French uh, kind of, yeah. And it's, it's gone. There's no, there's no trace of it uh, anymore. Unfortunately not. Uh, because this company that acquired it at the end of the day, um, rebranded it first and, and yeah, tried to, to revamp it. But I think with not enough attention, 
probably was was not expensive enough. I uh, should have sold it for more money, so they felt more urgency to to do th- something out of it. Anyway, it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, table restaurant online reservation is still not a thing here. Um, and uh, to be honest, I see also way more purpose in what I'm doing today than kind of providing online restaurant reservations. But it was a first great experience with a lot of mistakes we did, and it, it, yeah, and that's what what it's all about. Okay, so it wasn't a complete failure because you made a small exit, but it wasn't a huge resounding success either. And interestingly, I was actually speaking with uh, one of your investors uh, from uh, Partech, uh, Philippe Colombel, um, and he was telling me how, you know, good timing is is almost as important, if not more important, than having a great team. So obviously, uh, you're a little bit before your time there. Um, But we're going to come back to Christian's story, including those glass doors, in just a moment. Uh, And just to remind you, this podcast is part of the Paris Fintech Forum Communities Programme for 2021. In this special pandemic period, you can enjoy throughout the year top-level live sessions with key industry players, exclusive on-demand interviews, such as this one, and use our innovative digital networking capabilities to meet your peers, develop your network, create new business opportunities, and continue to build together the future of the fin and tech industry. And you can find out more at www.parisfintechforum.com. Okay, Christian. So, uh, Gourmeo, your uh, first startup, you know, as we said, not a complete disaster because you made a little bit of money, but it wasn't a resounding success. And then eventually you, you, you were at university, you met your co-founder, um, and you got into co-founding GetSafe. How did you come to realize that insurance was ripe for disruption and that this was something that, that you, could, you could do? Yes, it was pretty late to be honest, uh, we all get educated about a lot of fancy stuff at university. For me, it was engineering or even at school, you do all, you learn all different things, but at least in Germany or, or the most European countries I know, kind of financial education that would also include insurance is nothing that you learn. So I was in that very same situation. I had finished university, founded Gomeo, and during that time, I was, um, yeah, kind of involved in a in an insurance claim. Um, I I was moving something around in the basement of my my landlord where where I lived, um, and and he had in in that basement he had stored a, a big double glass door, pretty expensive custom built glass door. He didn't use at that time, but that's why it was in the basement. And I, while moving my stuff around, I, I kind of touched it. It wasn't very stable. It crashed. Both doors crashed. And yeah, and so I was pretty, I was pretty shocked. I didn't know what to do. I, I only knew this is, is going to be expensive. So I went to my parents. And again, I had graduated from university. I was a well-educated kind of young professional and asked him about what should I do now? I don't know anything about insurance. I hope you have family coverage or insurance for me that I'm still kind of included in that. And there was no answer from that. So the answer was they opened a shelf with kind of 15, I think, folders filled with thousands pages of paper that piled up over over many, many decades, of course, and tried to find, it was a Saturday, I remember, and tried to find out uh, if I'm still covered, if this glass door is still covered, and it was not possible to find it out. The broker that has sold the insurance to them wasn't 
they couldn't reach him kind of uh, over the phone. He lived in another city because my parents moved. All this stuff that makes insurance complex was kind of um, was presented to me there. And I saw it for the first time. I, I didn't even have a relationship to insurance. I didn't know if it's good or bad. I just didn't care. Um, and that was my, my previous experience. And I hated it. I hated the experience I had for myself as somebody that didn't buy insurance and was just dumb of not having the basic liability insurance that is not even expensive. And it was kind of also, I felt kind of sad for my parents that spend thousands of, 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 of euros every year for insurance, have this cause of paper and administration that my mother in our case has ha, cares about and no overview and uh, no accessibility to get support and help when you need it. And I just hated it. And that got me kind of triggered to dig deeper, understand the industry more. And then I understood some some very shocking facts. And I mentioned one before that kind of 90% of insurance is still sold offline. Right. And I, I think just uh, for, for the audience that aren't familiar with uh, the peculiarities of the German insurance market, if you had still been a student, you would have automatically been probably covered by your parents. But because you graduated, you were no longer covered. Is that right? Because I don't think that happens in, in certainly not in the UK where I grew up. Yeah, that's correct. So um, I don't know all the specifics of other markets and countries and regulations. What I know is that something like family coverage exists everywhere. So you can be as a child or youngster, you can be covered with your parents. There are th certain thresholds if you live together still, if you kind of are over 25, if you finish your study. So there are certain thresholds. In our case here in Germany, it's mostly being 25 or older or finishing your studies um and and then you kind of are just kind of knocked out of uh of family coverage and you don't even get an information uh from them and that's how you end up in a situation like mine and how much was the landlord asking you for in order to uh, pay for those glass doors that you smashed it was to rebuild this door because you usually want to you need to kind of t to pay the new value of what you destroy was close to 10,000 euros. So it was 10K bucks. So it was pretty pretty expensive for me at that time. It's still a lot of money, but it was unaffordable at that time as I still had graduated from, from university and didn't sell my Gomeo company yet. So it was in the middle of that first entrepreneurial experience. And um, and at the end of the day, what was good is that I know uh, it was a friend of my, 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 my parents, this landlord, and we found an agreement because he didn't need the, a new door. So um, I don't want to say the exact amount, but I kind of, uh, we found an agreement, a few thousand bucks I paid to him. It was, it, it hurt. Um, and um, yeah, again, that was my, 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 my trigger to, to get into the industry and help others. Right. And I guess just like, uh, business failures you know you learn things from them and perhaps uh, you know the money you spent and the experience that you had with those doors and insurance in germany was priceless because that was really what helped you or inspired you to get deep into the industry and to found uh, get safe so once you decided to get into the industry i mean how hard was it to go from this idea of you know we need to digitize this industry we need to make it easier we need to make it a pleasant experience we need to align the interests perhaps of people taking out policies with the insurer themselves how did you go from this idea to the minimum viable product and then persuade investors uh, such as partech such as commerce ventures to take a punt on you it it was it was hard for us and we tried to make it a little bit easier 
in the, the sense that we picked one specific problem that we could solve with, with technology. And that was not my problem, a young professional first time insurance buyer that, that needs to get insurance for the first time. That's what we do today with GetSafe, as I, as I mentioned in the intro. But we tried to solve my parents' problem, the, the problem of somebody that is, has a mature insurance portfolio, I would call it, that has piled up a lot of paper over time has no overview and wants to digitize that experience. The, actually, we, we offered, we started as a broker, so we didn't need a, a big insurance license that is expensive. And we offered a simple mobile app where people that have insurance already could kind of sign up with us, sign a digital power of attorney. By the way, that caused a lot of problems for us. We were the enfant terrible of the insurance industry back in 2015 and 16, uh, because people didn't even believe that it's possible to sign a power of attorney on your mobile phone with your finger. They still believe that that you need paper and, and pen for it, although it was legally all clean, right, and, 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 and correct. And so we started to solve this problem, and it had multiple advantages in our perspective, because first of all, it was capital efficient. We didn't need to apply for a whole full-stack insurance license. Second, we had the great opportunity to learn about the pain points of insurance with people that had a lot of insurance already and had gone through claims experiences that were terrible, but customer service experiences, not understanding products. And on the other hand, as a broker, you know that you have to partner with existing insurance companies because you don't have your own products, but essentially resell or, or kind of maintain um, the the insurance products that they actually built. So you also have a lot of touch points and we try to build APIs. Uh, it, it sounds normal, but it was crazy. It still don't, doesn't exist, right? There's no API of insurance companies like with banking or so. Um, and that's also the reason, by the way, why we quickly pivoted into being a, a full-stack insurance company uh, because we, we found no way out of this innovation dilemma where you kind of are dependent of the processes, products, and people at traditional insurance companies that have been around for 100 plus years um, uh, to, to really make the, the insurance experience for people way, way better. But that's how we got started. I think it was a good idea. It took us probably two to three years more than it perhaps would have. Um, but it was a good experience again because we've, we, we, we collected all these paid points and then could kind of build our own insurance company um, with all this knowledge in mind that we pre previously didn't have. And I think we made a lot of things right then um, that we would otherwise wouldn't have done if we would have started on the green field. Right. And what year are we talking about here when you kind of first kicked things off with GetSafe? 2015. That's when we started the company. Um, and then we did the broker game for two years. And then we started thinking about building our own insurance products, about targeting people that are new to insurance that are kind of um kind of yeah not not locked in into the old system as my parents was because it's incredibly hard to build a great in experience for them essentially and getting investors on board was that also a pretty tricky process at the time it's trickier than it is today insurtech today is a pretty hot category and I believe it's totally, totally right. It's also in the, in the, let's say, in the broader world of fintech. I wouldn't mix them up anyway. I think for a long time, fintech and insurtech have been mixed up. I think insurtech 
And insurance companies have a way better business model than banks. They have a business model <laughs> because you have to pay for every policy. Uh, for banks, I think the challenge is to yeah, create new revenue channels. Um, so it's it's a better business model, I think. Um, it's harder to crack because it doesn't have natural engagement. Uh, and so, but again, back in the days in 2015, it wasn't a category, a hyped category yet. Um, and so it was definitely not easy to convince investors to get into an industry that you need to think very long term. As I mentioned, we are we are here to build the alliance of 2040, um, of 2040, and not like 2025 or so. And VC investors normally have a kind of holding period of shares of let's say three to eight years usually. So you you rather need investors that are thinking ten years plus. Um, and that again, that is uh, that was hard, but we still got a great investors back at that time. Um, and and that was crucial to get get safe running. Otherwise, that wouldn't have happened because insurance is a big investment thing, right? You need to invest, especially if you build your own products, you build all the platform, you need to navigate the regulation, you need to hire specialists. And so it's something you can't do without money. And what was the kind of best and worst reaction you got from investors when you uh, went into their offices and you pitched them your InsurTech startup before InsurTech was a hot area? Yeah, you know, I always envy... Uh, some I know one entrepreneur who does lux luxury watches, and uh, investors, VCs are personally excited about luxury watches, right, or, or other stuff they they personally like and appreciate. The bad thing is with insurance, it's it's hard to get this excitement because they have had their experiences with insurance that obviously was an experience they had with traditional insurance companies that is usually not a good one. So their relationship to insurance is not one of excitement and delightment and so, but rather, yeah, a negative one. So going through the through that kind of emotional uh, door is pretty hard um, if you pitch insurance companies. So you need to go to convince them through the business model. But the business model, again, is perhaps not perfectly suited to to VC companies back f five years or 10 years back from, from here. Um, you need, you don't have to be risk averse. You need to believe in the long-term vision and so on. So it's, um, I think the, um, the, the, the most exciting part, uh, was really that we showed that we, we kind of navigated the status quo with a first solution that had traction because again, we signed up my parents and all their friends. And so that had insurance already. And so we grew extremely quickly by kind of just digitizing existing insurance policy. So traction was there. It was not our final business model, of course, but kind of as the industry is so big and you have so many hundreds of millions of, of insurance policies in every country that you can in Germany, it's half a billion, I think active insurance policies that are stored in folders, in form of paper. Um, so kind of going on that proposition and solving that concrete problem and creating traction, I think, was delighting investors at that point of in time, and they believed in it. And they also uh, were willing kind of to, to, to buy in the bigger vision that we then had and to give us money to build that as well. 
but none of the investors kind of laughed you out the door or just kind of gave you universally negative uh, feedback to begin with? Uh, was there any kind of setbacks in that sense? No, not at all. No, not at all. It's not like the ambition of building, making insurance better resonated with, with everybody because everybody knew that insurance is not, yeah, it's not kind of, it's not customer friendly today. It's old fashioned, it's paper-based, it's slow. And so for everybody, this would clear, it was clear that there will be a transition or a revolution in insurance. Of course, timing, as you mentioned, is always hard to, hard, hard to get. And it's still, it's still day one for InsurTech. So it's, uh, it's still very, very early. And InsurTechs hold a very, very small fragment of the total market uh, still. Um, but of course, if you think this through in the next 10, 20 years and think what's happening with incumbents that can't move, that have old IT system with brokers and agents being Close, closer to their retirements than kind of to the first years of, of their ca career, it's inevitable that this kind of revolution will happen. Um, and, and yeah, I think that's, that was clear for everybody. And clearly you're not the only one who believes that, who thinks that. You, there are many other insurtechs out there. But when you do see others like Lemonade, whose founder has, has been on this podcast as well, do you think, oh my goodness, you know, how are we going to compete with this company that's you know, now worth you know, eight or nine billion dollars and has got like a billion dollars in the bank? Or does it reassure you that other insurtechs are making it and therefore you can too, because there's plenty of room for all of you? It's awesome to see what's happening in the US. Um, because a lot of the, the top insurtechs, and you're right, there are plenty of insurtechs, but compared to the number of traditional insurance companies that we have in every market, the, U the US probably holds, I don't know, a thousand, hundreds of insurance carriers. Europe is, is the same. Um, and you just have a, f a few handful, perhaps, of, of, of serious challengers. Um, so it's awesome to see. What's happening um, with uh, with insurtechs that perhaps are a bit more mature or in other, in other, on other continents? And what makes me pretty confident and not at all um, kind of afraid of, of that is, first of all, it's a hu huge industry. There, there won't be just one Airbnb or Uber because, as I mentioned, Germany and the UK alone are kind of... I don't know the exact number, five to 10 times the core market, addressable market of Uber. So it's of the limousine service, uh, right? Um, uh, part of the, the business model. And it's such a big market. So there will be a, a few new brands and, and, and let's say challenger carriers in Ventura. Um, and secondly, it's a highly, highly regulated market. And you need to exactly, you need to be very firm in navigating regulations And so what I don't believe in insurance, I, I don't believe that you will see a global player so quickly. That might be and that might happen through M&A and so on. But, but I think you will see strong players on continents. So the U.S. is it's not taken at all, but I, I think there are some, some strong players. But Europe is still totally open, right? And, and, and nothing that U.S. insurtechs can kind of capture. Um, and, and so I think that we can kind of replicate these stories from the U.S. They're always a, a few years ahead of us in terms of funding and venture capital, you know that. Um, but Europe is catching up and Europe is also 
uh, and Germany specifically, I think, is, is, is one of the home countries where insurance was invented and where the biggest insurance companies of the world, like Alianza, are coming from. So we ha have a big tradition. Plus, we really care about data privacy. And insurance is all about uh, data privacy. Um, so we believe that we can build a brand for new generation of customers that is really trusted. And you mentioned you know, they're a bit more advanced in the US. We've, of course, seen a lot of IPOs happening uh, with Lemonade. Uh, and I know Hippo is planning to, uh, or may go uh, public in 2021. There are others as well. Is that something that's on the radar for GetSafe? Or having raised, I think it's about $53 million, is, is that a little bit too uh, too early for you? Yeah, it's it's nothing for the short, short term. And the short term term for startups like ours is thinking in month. But if I think a few years ahead, it's definitely an option. And why is that? Because I believe, first of all, we will see way more um, startup IPOs in Europe as well. We saw the 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 the, um, the IPO of Auto One, um, uh, which is a kind of used car platform, um, and that was pretty successful. So we see we'll see more of that. Plus, I believe that. Um, InsurTechs are totally appreciated category by public markets and public investors. You see that in the US a little bit. You mentioned a, a few of these companies, but it's it's inherently because of the business model, right? You're applying technology to an industry that is totally ready for being kind of merged with technology because it's all about data. It's a fully virtual product. Everybody has it. It's a mass market. But you're combining it with a very predictable and stable and long-term and sustainable business model. Again, it's not like a challenger bank that has to invent a business model. Um, it's it's a totally clear and stable business model. And I think the combination of both is absolutely made for for IPOs, and that's why it's a it's a midterm goal that we we have. Um, and I definitely think that we will see more tech IPOs in Europe. Generally speaking, there's all the specs kind of. <laughs> uh, being being born and, and created uh, that can be an option or just a, a proper IPO but again something for the next let's say two to three years right and just one kind of final question relating to, to Lemonade uh, you may have seen that they recently won a court case over the color pink with Germany's Deutsche Telekom uh, as a German do you do you stand with Deutsche Telekom or, or were you cheering on your fellow insurtech Lemonade from the sidelines I think it's a pretty predictable answer um i i totally believe in the freedom of being able to use a color um i am not i'm not kind of deeply involved into what exactly happened there but um uh yeah i think it's ridiculous from from Deutsche telecom they should rather use such an opportunity to um to maybe find a partnership or something right with such a company like lemonade or if it's not lemonade it, it may be another insurtech um, I think it's not the right approach. Such um, as get safe, maybe. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> we don't have that color, at least, so it should be no issue. Uh, yeah, no, no, I don't. I don't think it's it's the right approach. But they, I'm not deeply involved and not not here to kind of comment too much on that. But I think it's not the right approach for an incumbent. All right. So uh, no free the pink T-shirt, but uh, but perhaps uh, perhaps quietly uh, cheering on your fellow uh, in Shortech. But uh, just. Finally, uh, Christian, this is a question I, I put to all guests on the FNTech podcast. Uh, what is the weirdest or craziest thing you've built or done in your life? And it can't be get safe. No, for me, it was really 
the the kind of the the experience that will I will ever remember. Um, and I, I stay in the entrepreneurial context now because I'm in, in that mood <laughs> today talking to you. And um, it's 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 building with fourteen, and my brother was twelve at that age, kind of competing with public music schools. Uh, totally crazy, and um, and and we kind of had no capital, no idea, nothing, but we kind of. Uh, loved music and um and how we did that was i think if i think back to it it felt felt totally natural back then but i think it's a it's an amazing story and i i wished it could have kind of last longer and maybe even created something bigger bigger out of it that was kind of from the entrepreneurial side my, my craziest thing to, to 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 found and start a musical school uh, at the age of age of 14 again perhaps uh, before it's time with the likes of uh, simply piano um you know doing going great guns uh, online perhaps uh, that's what you would have uh, turned into but again uh, yeah. sometimes it's all in the timing and speaking of which unfortunately we've run out of time uh, so i really just want to thank you uh, christian veens co-founder and ceo of get safe for taking the time to speak to us here on the f and tech podcast thanks for having me it was great thank you you take care and uh, have a good haircut when you can thanks startup founders are often asked if they got there by luck or due to their own brilliance invariably it's a combination in christian's case there was the serendipitous encounter with his co-founder at a meetup where no one else turned up his good or bad fortune at breaking his landlord's glass doors and of course his parents scrupulous hoarding of insurance documents none of this was planned but then nor was founding an insurtech and while inspiration and big ideas are important without great execution nothing will ever get off the ground so thank you, Christian Veens, and thank you for listening to the FinTech podcast with me, Elliot Gotkin, now part of the Paris FinTech Forum Communities Programme. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and you can get updates and listen to all previous episodes via the website, www.parisfintechforum.com. If you have any comments, suggestions, or feedback, you can find us on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Paris Fin Forum or at Elliot Gotkin. That's it from me. Thanks again to BPI France for sponsoring this podcast. We'll be back again next week for more of the best FM tech. Hope you'll join us again then. Bye-bye.